Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Rashmore County Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Radio 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. A lot to get into here on a Tuesday. Let's not waste any time. Let's head out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline and joining us now from the Sporting Tribune, Grant Mona, Jake Dicker. Um, Grant, you wrote the lead story in the Sporting Tribune, kind of putting a a bow on the Rams season, but we didn't get a chance to talk to you as you were working on your report. Um, a couple of days removed, uh, I guess two part, your, your, your thoughts on the game, but, but also the big picture when you talk about the second youngest team in the league, uh, really a season a lot of fans did not, uh, uh, project them to have certainly, uh, your thoughts on A, the game and B, the future or the yeah. Rams. Yeah, the, the game itself, I mean, wow, how, what an emotional game that was, um, just from a bunch of different perspectives. Um, in the first half, it looked like Jared Goff could not even throw a ball that hit the ground. I mean, he was completing every pass that, that was allowed to him. And that's the thing is that the Rams allowed him to, to just have a clean pocket and find his receivers. And that was kind of this game, Arash, I think was a microcosm of kind of the whole season. Um, just in the fact that the offense had to carry, sure, they're, you know, the defense had its moments, and in the second half, they only allowed, what was it, three points, I think, only, yeah. um, which is something that they've done on multiple occasions this season against the Niners, against the Seahawks. Um, so it was kind of a microcosm of, of a little bit of their issues throughout the season, right? Not being able to get pressure on the quarterback. I know Kobe Turner had a lot of sacks, and Aaron Donald had a lot of pressures this year, but that was something that they kind of lacked, was that second-edge player to kind of rush Jared Goff. Um, and in coverage, I mean, you saw the secondary was a little bit frail. I mean, Akella Witherspoon gave up a couple big plays. Um, Darion Kendrick and, and Kobe Durant didn't really play great games. Quentin Lake had a few questionable plays as well. They got good play from Ernest Jones, but that just wasn't enough against the Lions defense that was, or excuse me, Lions offense that is high octane. They needed to put pressure on Jared Goff. And when they did, Jared Goff had zero yards and he had zero uh, completions as well. He was 0 for 5 when pressured. Um, and he was perfect when not, which kind of tells you what happened. And in terms of the offense, I mean, Matthew Stafford will put it all on the line. I mean, that guy, again, another microcosm of how he's played the entire year. Um, just a warrior, uh, a guy that's going to go to battle for his teammates. He got knocked out. And I know there's a lot of controversy about that right now. He did get knocked out, but he still came in and played and played very well after that moment as well. And Puka Nakua, what else can you say? 181 yards, a rookie receiving record in a playoff game. Um, if I'm looking at this team 
going forward, I am so super excited, and all Rams fans should be as well. Yeah. Um, this is a team that has a lot of money in, in in the cap space in the offseason. I think they're top five in cap space. They have their first-round draft pick for the first time since they drafted, yes, Jared Goff, and they have plenty of picks after that. Plus, they have a guy that you know was a pro bowler this year and Matthew Stafford leading the charge. So you have that with an Aaron Donald that still looks pretty lethal. Cooper Cup is probably the main one where I can say, well, I don't know if he can still maintain that elite 20 21 level. He still is a great receiver, but now we're kind of seeing Puka Nakua be that number one guy, which is yeah. something that I did not foresee. So there's so much right going for this Rams going into the offseason. And as much as of a tough loss as it was, even when they got in, you got in, and that's something that not a lot of people thought, myself included. I thought they would be an eight to nine win team at best. That's yeah. if everything went right, and they went ten, and they beat the Niners in. I know it was against backups, but they beat the Niners in San Francisco. They beat S- Seattle twice. They they put up fights against all these teams. This is something they can carry into next season and go. Okay, we have our core, we have the foundation, we have the coach, the quarterback, and the vets. Let's surround them with good offensive line play and maybe some defenders, and see where it goes. Yeah, um, we're going to preview uh, this upcoming weekend's divisional games. But want to get your both uh, thoughts on Philadelphia. I've never been more fascinated by a collapse of a team because generally speaking, historically, if you're going to look at a team that, again, if you just to put it into context, last season they're 14-3. and They lose in the Super Bowl by three points. They come into this season as one of the best teams in the league. They're 10-1. and They're the Super Bowl favorites on December 1st. They lose six of their last seven games. Last night, they lose to Tampa Bay in the wild card round, and they get blown out. Uh, just a lot of weird calls in that game, but just a big picture. I mean, I've never seen a, a collapse like this by a team. Why don't you get both of your thoughts as, as guys who've been a part of teams where, like, as we're talking, there is no public display of why this happened. But, but, but clearly, if you were in that locker room, there, there's something wrong. I mean, something happened. There was, whether it was the way they got blown out by San Francisco, perhaps something had been, um, you know, been going on behind the scenes the, the, the entire season. But for Sirianni to be on the hot seat, and we'll see what happens with him. Again, last year, 14-3, lose by a field goal in the Super Bowl this year, 10 and 1, the favorite to win the whole thing. And to collapse like that, 6 of 7, get blown out by Tampa Bay. Uh, Jake, your thoughts and, and what can you possibly say about this team right now? There's not, I don't think there's much you can say. I mean, this is remarkable because they started the year 10 and 1, um, in, in, at 10 and 1, they were 7 and 1, and then they went three straight weeks and they won in Kansas City, or they won, uh, at home against Dallas, in Kansas City, and at home against Buffalo. Like, they had a five-week stretch. They had those three games, and then they had another one. Uh, they had San Francisco and Dallas again. Like, that was kind of the gauntlet of their schedule that everyone was worried about, right? They win the first three. They lose at home uh, to, to San Francisco, and it kind of made sense. Like, all right, three grueling weeks. Like, they were due to have one of these. Then they lose in Dallas, where even though they lost by 20 points, no one was winning in Dallas. You could kind of justify those two. At 10-3, and three, I wasn't really concerned about this team. But then they finished the year losing three of four to Seattle, Arizona, and the Giants. Yeah. And then you start to get really concerned because it just looked like a complete shell of who everyone thought they were and who we had seen for the last two years. Like, it wasn't just a spurt. It was a complete season of last year where they lost by three points in the Super Bowl. And then they come out this year at 10-1. and And then the wheels just completely fall off, seemingly out of nowhere. And then you go into Tampa without A.J. Brown, and you just can't ever get anything going. Um, 
I mean, I don't know if we're going to have a conversation about Jalen Hurts. I don't think it would be a crazy thing to do at this point. I would have told you that having any conversation about Jalen Hurts outside of the one about him being a top five quarterback in the league would have been ridiculous a month and a half ago. And now I think that's something that you can probably entertain. So this is something that we've really never seen before. Um, especially from a team that was so close last year and had the guys, you know, Jason Kelsey put on the pads for another year to come back because there was a shot that this team was going to get back to that spot. And they looked like they were destined to do just that. And out of nowhere, I mean, it it came crashing down fast. Yeah. I, I just think Jake, you're right in the fact that I don't think I've seen something happen this quick to a team that I didn't even see it coming. Like sometimes you can see things coming, against, you know, some squads where it's like, okay, well, they don't have a good defense or they don't have this, they don't have that. But the Eagles were clicking on all cylinders at that 10 and one. And then to lose to the teams that they did, there, there is no other explanation to other than it has to be an issue within because sure they had their issues in the secondary and they, they weren't as strong. And you can also say this is that their OC and their DC both left. And that is a people underestimate that. That is a huge part of teams. I mean, look at what happened to the Chiefs offense. And I know the Chiefs are, are still in the playoffs and they're doing, doing pretty well, but throughout the regular season you saw what happened when Eric Bieniemy left the Chiefs were kind of iffy they weren't as as powerful as they were before and the Eagles same thing their offense sure it was great for the first 10 11 weeks after that when you get into the nitty-gritty and you get down the stretch it looked a lot more like Shane Steichen was a big part of they did last year and especially DC who's now uh in Arizona and he did a pretty good job with Arizona I know they're kind of one of the top five lottery teams but they're still they still competed a lot better than the Eagles down stretch, which is crazy, and that's why the Cardinals beat the Eagles because they just had more fight. And I just don't know where you go from here because if I'm looking at it, this is probably one of the best coaching free agent classes that we've seen yeah. in a while, where you have Belichick and Harbaugh apparently, and you have guys that are just out there and ready to be hired. Pete Carroll too. I don't know what his status is, but there are so many legendary names and good young names out there to where you at least have to entertain the thought of getting rid of Nick Sirianni, especially with how they finished. I mean, if I would have told you, like Jake mentioned, a month and a half ago that the Buccaneers would be beating the Eagles at home in a playoff game, I would be saying, you're insane. You're probably <laughs> in some other dimension. But here we are, and we have to face the facts that when if another team did this, the coach would probably be gone. But I think that... They may give him a longer leash, Arash, just because he did get to the Super Bowl last year. Maybe a new OC or a new DC helped it, but uh, it's so right now. And with such a good free agent coaching class, I could maybe see them making a change, which is crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's clearly something happened. And again, we may not know about it until, uh, you know, someone leaks something up. But again, you don't have a collapse like this unless, again, like dissension within the ranks, players, coaches, something along those lines. And so if Nick Sirianni does get fired, uh, perhaps he was a part of it. Again, we'll, we'll, it'll probably take some time for us to figure out what happened. But again, we've never seen something like this with a, when I say healthy team, again, they didn't lose the quarterback and lose six or seven. It's crazy when you think about it. The one Super Bowl Philadelphia won was when they lost Carson Wentz, right? And then, like, Nick Foles comes in. So, like, we've never seen a a generally um, healthy team. Again, they didn't lose their QB for the season or something like that to have a collapse like this. All right, let's let's now preview the divisional rounds. We have the uh, 
the spread and the lines. I'm going to kind of just kind of go through that real uh, quickly for you guys, and I wanted to get your thoughts. All right, let's start with the games on Saturday. And again, we'll uh, preview the games more as we continue this week. But we have Texans and the Ravens. Baltimore is favored by nine and a half. Uh, Jake, your thoughts on that one? That one's gonna be fun. Um, you know, Baltimore at home. You got Lamar, who's you know the MVP. I can probably say at this point is your MVP um, for the year. And CJ Stroud, who is the most exciting young quarterback in this league, number two overall pick um, behind Bryce Young. You know, scratching your head on that one still, <laughs> but. CJ, CJ, I don't know how he's going to be able to replicate what he did in his first, you know, playoff game. I know it was a home game. This is his first playoff road game. So that'll be another, um, you know, great test for him. I mean, that being said, I think Baltimore is probably, I mean, is the favorite to come out of the AFC, even though now we were talking about the NFC all year being loaded. Now it looks like, you know, the AFC with Baltimore, Kansas City, and Buffalo is really, you know, what, what, what everyone's going to be excited about as, as we move forward. But I, I, I like Baltimore at home. I know it's, I think we're in like a nine point spread right now. I, I would take, probably take Houston in the points. It just feels like that back door will be wide open at the end of the game, even if they're, you know, it's a two, two touchdown game, um, the entire way through. CJ's been unbelievable. Um, so I, I'll take nine points with him there. Great. Yeah, close. I think, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> what, what the Texans did to the Browns was something that I'd not see coming. Yeah. I mean, CJ Stroud has been fantastic this year. Probably one of the best rookie quarterback seasons I've seen in a long time. And, you know, for a Ravens team that, you know, you earn the one seed, but now you have to play a Texans team that is hot and they just beat one of the teams that a lot of people said could probably beat the Ravens with that defense and they picked apart the Browns defense. So Jake's right. I would take plus money Texans just because I'm kind of riding the high that I've said this and, and I said this on our, our podcast is that you know riding a momentum and riding that high and carrying that into game to game and the playoffs matters and when you get a big win at home like the Texans did and you play a team like the Ravens you're, you're basically playing with house money at this point so you may see some spark you may see some more fight that you probably wouldn't see from a Texans team against a Ravens team that we've seen them be a one seed and be a higher seed and collapse in the playoffs before um, with Lamar Jackson so I'm not saying that's going to happen now but with the Texans, with a high-powered offense like they have, with Nico Collins playing the way he is, and with that Texans defense that kind of took away anything from the Browns' offense and anything from Joe Flacco, they were flying around on that line. I think that it could be a closer game than a lot of people are expecting. Now, I do, I do still expect the Ravens to win because they're at home. They're the one seed. I still expect them to be the Super Bowl uh, AFC representative. But I, I do think that the Texans, with C.J. Stroud and with that line and with the defensive play that they've had, this could be a, a pretty good game, guys. And, and I know it's in Baltimore, and I know the Texans play in a, in a you know domed arena, but I think I'll take momentum and, and see where it goes because the Texans right now are flying everywhere. The biggest spread of the weekend, uh, San Francisco getting 10 against Green Bay. Again, I mean, I think it makes sense. I think it's the lowest seed still there. You, you got one, two, three in the AFC and one not two, three, and four in the NFC. So Green Bay as the seven seed going to San Francisco, the 49ers getting 10. Uh, Jake, your thoughts on that one? I think this game is very similar to the one we just talked about, right? You have a Green Bay team with a young quarterback who's excelling and is, you know, maturing a lot quicker than people had expected him to that are essentially playing with house money. I mean, Green Bay went into Dallas and did, I mean, played a near-perfect 
offensive game. I know the defense crumbled at the end once they had brought in Sean Clifford and kind of thrown, you know, the, the, uh, the backups in there on offense. But they're playing with house money, right? San Francisco is by far the best team in the NFC. I mean, I think that's been very, very clear. This game is going to come down to what, you know, the Green Bay's defense can do to stop, I mean, their multitude of weapons. But I think I saw something that said Vegas on a neutral field would have San Francisco as like at least a five-point favor against every team in the league. So that tells you what they think of, of the Niners compared to the rest of the league. I mean, they are miles, miles better than than the rest of the league. I mean, in my opinion, I, I still am in on San Francisco. I know that we have said that they're, I mean, we see, we saw it in baseball, these teams that sit opposed to the teams that come in yeah. with a ton of momentum that just, you know, we saw with Arizona, like the team that beat the giant that no one thought they were going to beat. They're just rolling in and saying, Hey, at this point, anything we do from this point forward is, is just like extra, right? Like we didn't expect to be here. So, I mean, I think there is something to that, but San Francisco at home is, is, a, a, a gauntlet you don't really want to run into. Yeah. So so I'll roll with the Niners and I'll lay the 10 points. Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with Jake. The Niners are the best team in football right now. And the Niners-Ravens was my pick for the Super Bowl before the season, and I'm okay. sticking with it. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the Niners-Packers game will be a lot like Jake said, like a, another team riding the momentum. But I just think that the firepower that the Niners have on both the offense and the defense, like you could say the Cowboys had a great offense, but there were some holes with their defense in the secondary when the, the Packers kind of you know showed why. Uh, the Niners, they do have some issues in the secondary, but I just think that with so many weapons that the Niners have, they're playing at home. I'm just very curious to see how the Ravens and the Niners play when they don't have, you know, they had a week of rest. And a lot of the time, you get these teams, it's rust versus rest. You know, that's the big controversy right now. So I'm curious to see how the Niners come out. It's good for them to get their health back, but I just, I think the Niners are the far away the best team in, in the NFC and in the league, honestly, whatever's remaining. So I expect them to take care of the Packers, but I do think that the Packers can put up some points. But I just think that yeah. the high-octane offense for the Niners, I mean, you're going to have CMC healthy at a strained calf late in the season. He's going to be healthy. Purdy's going to be healthy. Um, that offensive line is stout. Um, the defensive line will probably get to Jordan Love a little bit more than the Cowboys did. Um, so I, I think I'm going to take the, the Niners. But I do think that the Packers are going to put up some points. I just think that the Niners' offense will just outscore them. We'll move it on Sunday. Uh, Detroit's getting six <coughs> excuse me, against Tampa Bay again, uh, winning their first playoff game in 32 years. Now they are one win away from going to the, ch- the championship game. Your thoughts on that one? First, you had Goff against the guy who was traded for, and now you have Goff against another former number one overall. Pick. Oh, man. You know, the team who drafted him gave up on um, <laughs> two former Rams. So this game's going to be fun. I like, I think Detroit's going to ride that wave. Um, I, I love what Tampa's been able to do, but I think that Detroit, if they're able to get the defensive stops, um, are, are going to have no issue taking care of this game in Detroit. Um, Goff, Goff shows that, you know, he's capable of winning playoff games. He was capable of not turning the ball over, um, against the Rams, which I thought was a huge key for Detroit if they were going to win that game. He was able to take care of that, um, you know, and they moved on and they're going to be playing on Sunday. The Rams are at home. So I will, I will take Detroit. I, I don't think this one's going to be very close, but that being said, I've, I've doubted Tampa all year and, and they're still moving. So, but I'll roll with the Lions. Yeah, I agree with Jake. I think it's the Lions um, at home. I mean, I, all I needed to see was one performance in the playoffs from the Lions, and Jared Goff proved to me why this team should be taken 
heavily in consideration to get to the Super Bowl. I mean, I think if they play the Niners, they could give the Niners a game, but I think they're going to, you know, run all over Tampa. I think that their offense at home, especially when not pressured, Jared Goff is elite. Um, that defense and that line is actually really good. I mean, they, they actually got to Stafford a lot, yeah. which is something that I did not expect them to do a lot, and they did. So I think the lines are going to take care of business at home and, Man, a Lions Niners NFC Championship would feed families for generations, as Brandon likes to say. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Really quick from both of you, uh, the Bills getting two and a half against the uh, Chiefs. Again, I think the Chiefs have another gear here. Now we're in the divisional round. Uh, real quick, Jake, two and a half favorites, the Bills against the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is playing a true road game for the first time, a true road play, a true road playoff game for the first time in his career. If you want to count the Super Bowl in Tampa, I guess you could do that. Um, but I am going to roll with Buffalo at home. This, this run they've been on all year. I mean, not all year <laughs> since the beginning of the year when they were, I mean, post being six and six, it's just been remarkable. I think they're going to ride that momentum into the AFC championship game. I'm going to agree with Jake. I'm going to agree with Jake. This is, I think this screams Bills. They're finally going to get their get back. Josh Allen's finally going to beat Mahomes, and uh, I think they're going to get to AFC Championship for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think this is my favorite weekend um, of the year in terms of, you know, uh, four games, two on Saturday, two on Sunday. Uh, this is a really a fun time of the year. Okay, we're going to leave it there for now. Um, we have a lot to get into with the Lakers when we come back. We got, we got very excited about the potential lineup the Lakers were going to start with, but of course they, they uh, teased us. But uh, we'll uh, talk about our favorite team to, you know, to, uh, to kind of nitpick when we come back right here on the Money or 1090 in Southern California, the in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big. We go all night. And here... Everyone is invited to get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mighty Air 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Uh, just as a reminder, if you have a question or comment or want to win tickets to an upcoming game in Southern California, Las Vegas, or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. Right, let's head back out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline and joining us. Now, once again, from the Sporting Tribune, we have Grant Mona, Jake Dicker. All right, I teased it going into the break. There was a particular lineup that um, <laughs> that we, Grant, you've talked about it on the Baller Sports Dialogue podcast with Brandon. Uh, it was the lineup, by the way, that, that helped lead the Lakers, uh, you know, to uh, the play-in game through the postseason to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, Darvin Ham teased. I think he misheard Dave McMenamin's question. So it was not exactly that lineup, but it was close enough. Uh, 
Grant, let's start with you. What is that lineup? And again, we got as close to it as we possibly can. Uh, what, what, what were your thoughts? I, I guess, well, yeah, by the way, just to give some folks some backstory, we, we were very excited that, that mm. this, this lineup yes. that again, we thought that we would see from the beginning of the season, it literally took, um, halfway through the season. 41 games have been played. Again, we didn't quite get it, but we get close enough to it. Uh, Grant, describe the lineup and uh, describe the, the way the Lakers played again. Big win last night, beating the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah, so the lineup they finally went with was D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, Torian Prince, LeBron, and AD. Now, the lineup that we wanted and that we should have gotten was Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell, uh, LeBron, Vanderbilt, and AD. And that was what was initially reported. I don't know how that got misconstrued, but we got a pump fake. And it worked out in the Lakers' favor because last night they came out and they played very well against an OKC team that is at the top of the West. At least they were last night I, I think minnesota took that number one seed back but against the, now the lakers i think they've won two games against okc this year and for me that lineup that they put out there it had energy it had effort it had a little bit of offense and i know i've been very adamant about d'angelo russell and how they should get rid of him and how he's not great for the lakers but i have to give him credit he has been playing great offensively and he got his hands in passing lanes he was very active with his hands last night against the thunder um um, I just think that the Lakers are very good matchup with OKC. They have a lot yeah. of size. Um, Anthony Davis can really take advantage of Chet Holmgren's thin uh, frame. I, I think that Ch- Chet Holmgren was a little bit off last night. Shaden looked the same. But you know what, Arash? That, that just makes me think because they play the Clippers tonight. And I just know that the Thunder are going to play like 96 <laughs> Bulls when exactly. they play the Clippers tonight. Um, but last night, got to give a ton of credit to the Lakers. They played great. They had a game plan. They were getting out in transition. And that's where this team thrives. I've always said that this team does have the talent to be good. But it's just sometimes they go through lapses. And they almost did at the end of the game. Jake knows this. Um, and they almost gave up a, a 10, 11-point lead in the, in the fourth quarter. But they got it together. They made some stops. They got some turnovers. And look, I got to give the Lakers credit. I know that they're not where they're at, in the, where they want to be in the standings. But that was a good win against OKC last night. Jake, your your thoughts on again? One of the things that Ham talked about, and of course, he this is what he has to, to say, is that the players that are going to turn this season around, we have those players. And then I guess the, the question for him at that point is like, what took you so long? What did you like about what they did against the Thunder, and is it sustainable? Can they, perhaps, much like they did a year ago around this time, turn their season around? Last night was huge. Last night was the first time where I watched this team and really thought that there's some sort of offensive identity. Um, there were there were, everyone was you know moving the ball. Guys were cutting. Um, more importantly, guys with the ball eyes were up to find those cutters. Um, then 30 assists on 44 made field goals. I mean, LeBron, I think LeBron had seven assists. Um, LeBron six assists. D'Angelo Russell had six assists. Austin Reeves had seven assists. AD had five assists. I mean, the ball was moving. They looked like they were having fun for the first time all year, like playing for each other when Anthony Davis dunked on Chet Holmgren's head. I mean, that bench erupted like I haven't seen all year, partially because they haven't had anything to be excited about. But 
they looked like a team. I mean, the rotation was great. I really liked, I mean, the look of LeBron playing off the ball with D'Angelo Russell kind of manning the point. I really liked. Now, I don't know how sustainable that's going to be. And I don't know how long LeBron's going to let that happen, but I really liked that look. I, I mean, D'Angelo Russell, I know that we've, you know, been critical of him on this show. I mean, for good reason. But as, you know, as Grant said, I want to give him props. He's been playing unbelievable basketball on both sides of the ball. Um, I know coming into the year, he said he wanted to be Derek White on defense and really putting emphasis, you know, on his defensive side of the game. Has he been that? No, but he's definitely putting in the work and it shows. So again, this is one game. I don't want to overreact to one, but if they can find a way to keep this rolling, and then, I mean, it didn't look like tonight's team looked like a team that could go on a run and didn't look like a team that you needed to make a major, major move with. If they can, you know, as Darwin said, uh, said, have those guys in the building already, if they can make, you know, a little move here and there, some supplementary pieces, maybe add some shooting again, they didn't shoot the ball incredibly well last night, eight for 24 from beyond the arc, but this team, if they can rattle off two or three in a row and continue this, you know, LeBron looked a lot better. So you know, definitely a lot of things to be excited about. Yeah, so the the Lakers beat the Thunder 112-105, and as Jake touched on, I mean, the, the, the thing that you like is that you need to find complementary pieces around Davis and LeBron James uh, that that can help them win. Again, Davis, 27 points, 15 boards. LeBron James, 25 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. When they play like that, when they're healthy, you have to find a way to win those games. Again, the big thing about this team a year ago is that generally speaking through the first half of the season, those guys were not healthy. And so there was that big like if, 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 like if they're healthy and and, and we didn't think that, that they would be. When they are healthy, when they're playing like that, you have to find a way to um, win games. And again, I th- very similar to last season, except for Denver, um, there's no one that, that I'm afraid of. And I'm not just saying that because like, I'm a homer for the Lakers. But, like, like if the Lakers are healthy and they're doing what they're supposed to do, like, they may not beat the Thunder or the Timberwolves, but I, I got to be honest with you guys. Like, I'm not thinking that they can't possibly beat those teams. Again, Denver proved to me, and I knew this a year ago, they're going up against, you know, the best player in the league, a, a very nice complimentary piece you know, top 15 player in Jamal Murray. But, you know, when you look at the playoff teams in the Western Conference right now, and I look at the teams that they may play, again, they have to get there. But at least right now, they are the uh, 10 seed. They would be in the play-in tournament. But if, as we look at the top of the West, the, the Timberwolves, the Thunder, uh, the Clippers, again, you know, we'll, we'll talk about them shortly the Kings, the Mavs, the Pelicans, the Suns, the Jazz. I mean, th- these aren't teams that, quite frankly, that I'm thinking the Lakers can't possibly beat. <clears throat> the big question, though, and you, you guys are both going to be at the game tonight, Clippers, what do we think is going to be different come playoff time? And, Grant, I think the biggest question, and, and this has been time and time again, is health. I think if the Clippers are healthy, and it's – not a small thing. If the Clippers had been healthy in 21, I think they win the championship. They at least get to the finals. Is it as simplistic as that, Grant, or is there something else you need to see for you to be confident that this could be the team that finally not only gets to the conference finals, but gets to the finals and wins the whole thing? 
I don't think it's just health. At this point, yes, they are healthy and they have been healthy. Um, and obviously health is a very critical part of what this Clipper team can do, but they just lost to Minnesota in Minnesota. That was probably like one of their first tests in this huge streak they've been going on and they didn't pass it. And I know they didn't have Avica Zubots and Avica Zubots is actually out against the Thunder tonight as well, which is a big blow to the Clippers because he's been playing phenomenal, um, especially against a team in the Thunder where you need a, as much size as possible. Um, but for the Clippers, yeah, it is health, but it's also the fact that they probably don't have enough size still. And I know that the Lakers do have size, which is why Arashi were mentioning, like if I'm looking at matchups, right. And I know it's really early to do so, but if I'm looking at a Lakers thunder matchup, I kind of lean towards the Lakers. I'm not, this is not discrediting the thunder. This is not discrediting any of those top teams, but if the thunder play the Lakers, I like the Lakers size and matchups better than if I were the Clippers and the thunder, because the Clippers, whenever they play a quick paced team, a team that is very young, spry, athletic, they don't do so well. And I know they played some good teams and beat some good teams, but for this Clipper team, especially tonight against a thunder team that just lost against the Lakers, I know that they're going to come out and try to bum rush them. They're going to try to put them away early. Um, I know it's going to be in LA, but this thunder team, they're going to want their get back after a loss against the Lakers last night so for the Clippers you're missing your your center who's been averaging a double double the stars need to step up we've seen I've seen two performances in the past I'd say week and a half where Paul George Harden and Kawhi just weren't there offensively and that ruined the entire team's chemistry we saw it against the Lakers that was the first game when Harden, PG, and Kawhi were, just, I think they were like six of 20 something from the field collectively or something like that. And then against Minnesota, a yeah. team with size, a team that has length, they didn't do too well because they put a lot of pressure on Kawhi and Paul George and Harden and they didn't shoot well. And that kind of disrupted their chemistry and their momentum. So for the Clippers, yes, it is health. Obviously, when they're healthy, they're really good still, but it's not just that because they were fairly healthy. Their stars were healthy against Minnesota and they didn't perform. So they do have the opportunity to be better. I think that they still need to go get a power forward. They still need to get another wing. And I don't know how they do that because they don't have really much to trade, but yeah, it's not just health. Jake, you're going to see how they do tonight. But again, I mean, I think when you, we've seen the Clippers going back to 2020, you know, and, and even before that when they had Chris Blake and, and going into the season, you're thinking on paper, they're one of the most talented teams in the league. We've just seen them fall short, whether it's health, whether it's something else. What have you seen from this team? And I don't know if you have or not. What have you seen from this team that leads you to believe that this season could be different than past years i think i think the biggest thing with this team is they have guys who are committed to their roles and they fully bought into their roles and they're thriving in those roles right norman powell off the bench is giving you 14 points a game in 20 in, you know like 26 minutes russell westbrook as your backup point guard essentially is fully bought into that role and thrives there i think those those two guys especially they're not necessarily the sexy name russell westbrook i know used to be not necessarily that guy anymore um, but that depth really helps you, right? But I think Grant makes a good point that this team isn't the biggest team in the world, nor are they the fastest team in the world, right? So they, when they come, go against these, you know, younger teams with these guys who are running up and down the floor, it tends to get to them. So I think they could really benefit, I mean, as can anyone, from another, you know, elite on-ball defender that can really help slow the game down and help the Clippers play games at their pace because that's their, you know, their best recipe for success. So I think if they're able to do that, I think the offensive pieces are there. I know there are concerns, but I don't think you're going to run into many nights where 
Paul George, Kawhi, and James Harden are all off from the field. I think th- that, you know, those are going to be rare occurrences. Um, so I don't necessarily think you need to go grab another impact score, but just another guy who can play some defense, slow the game down, another, you know, power forward, some size, as Grant mentioned, would, you know, be beneficial. So I think those are the only real things that they need to address. But, you know, they've been playing great basketball. I know the Minnesota loss is a little bit concerning, but over this stretch of the last month and a half, they've been, you know, the best team in the Western Conference. Grant, big announcement uh, Tuesday. The NBA All-Star Game will be back in Los Angeles 2026. But the big difference is for the first time, um, you know, since they opened up Staples Center, Crypto.com Arena, it will not be there. It will not be there. It will be at Intuit Dome. And they're not going to do sort of this 50-50 split. As you remember, you know, when they had the All-Star Weekend in New York, they kind of had some events in Brooklyn. They're going to have some events at the forum. So Steve Ballmer will fully control, in terms of his two venues, the All-Star Game Weekend. I'm pumped about it. In terms of it makes more sense to utilize the forum, by the way, because it's one mile away from Intuit Dome. And also, as an old-school basketball fan, you know, the last time the forum held the All-Star Game was back in 1983. Uh Listen, it's it's some time away, but I think it's a cool moment for the Clippers. It's a cool moment for Steve Ballmer, for Intuit Dome, for Los Angeles. Your thoughts? I'm just, it's so crazy to just see that the Clippers are hosting an all-star game. Like, if you were to tell me that 10 years ago, I'd say you're out of your mind because it was a Laker town. It's a Laker arena. Um, if you're thinking about an all-star game in LA, it's got to be at Staples Center back then and now Crypto.com Arena now. So to see a Clipper hosted all-star game or event, um, is just unbelievable. It just goes to show what kind of owner that Steve Ballmer has been for this franchise. Um, and for the Clippers, I mean, the into a dome is going to be amazing. I, I really wish we would have seen the the dunk contest at the forum, but I understand why they're having yeah. it at at into a dome. I, it's just a new arena. I think it would be really nostalgic to have a dunk contest at the forum. I think the forum is still an awesome venue, yeah. um, for concerts as well. But it's great. It's going to be great to see basketball back at the forum. It's just going to bring back some of that nostalgia. But uh, in terms of the totality of it, yeah, the into a dome is going to be so amazing, and to have it be the the center of the NBA universe and basketball universe for a weekend, even just a weekend, is is something that I probably would have never thought about five, even five years ago. So it's going to be really amazing. Uh, Jake, Milwaukee wanted to host it, and they may still host it at some point. The problem that they had was we've gone through quite the streak of cold weather cities hosting the All-Star game, going, going back to Chicago, which was the last uh, event a lot of reporters got to cover before the pandemic. That was February 2020. Um, and then, then it went to Cleveland, then it went to Salt Lake City. It'll be in, uh, Indianapolis this year. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to see the new arena that the Bucks play in. Um, again, I think Milwaukee will get it at some point. It's just super cold there, as you know. Your thoughts on, um, hopefully Milwaukee at some point, um, having the game. I've been uh, I've been to up to uh, Pfizer for, uh, the the Pfizer Forum, excuse me, a couple times. Um, I was at the Lakers Bucks game last year. The Lakers won on the road, um, which was an incredible game. By the way, AD had like forty, great honest, game. 40 <laughs> thirty. Drew Holiday had thirty. It was great. Um, 
was there for a, a comedy show um, this year too. It's a great, the arena is great. The, the deer district, as they call it, that's kind of built around the arena is a great, it's kind of like an LA live esque area. Um, that has a bunch of restaurants and bars and stuff um, that are cool places to hang out before and after games. So I don't think that they would have any issue hosting, you know, a great uh, all-star weekend, put on a great show for, for the fans, a great entertaining, you know, thing. Milwaukee, I love, it's a great city. That being said, it's cold. Um, and that's not going to change. And that, you know, with the streak of cold, cold cities, I'm sure the players on what's supposed to be their time off would love some warmth. So I understand, I understand it coming to LA. It works out really well with the opening of the Intuit Dome. And as Grant said, I'm excited to get some hardwood back in the forum. So that'll be, that'll be fun, fun, fun to see. Um, you know, give the nostalgic vibe that, you know, LA fans are looking for. I'm very surprised that they haven't figured out a, a way to host some. Again, it's a great concert venue. If you guys have not gone to the forum for a concert, it is a great venue. Uh, but again, you know, really no sports are played there. Um, and obviously when Intuit Dome finally, uh, opens its doors, they, again, the, the they're, they're not going to book events there that would compete. Um, real quick, last three minutes, so maybe 60 seconds for both of you. The Chargers did officially talk to Jim Harbaugh yesterday. And so this will probably take some time, uh, if I can do it in 60 seconds. Great. Your thoughts on, uh, the Chargers talking to Jim Harbaugh? I think this was, I mean, we knew this was coming. Um, I'm just, I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Also, the Falcons, uh, had an interview with Bill yeah. Belichick. It's just crazy yeah. to see that because that was a team that was up 28 <laughs> to three against yeah. Bill Belichick. But for Jim Harbaugh, I mean, I think that's a home run higher if they can get him. I'm just curious to see how it goes. Um, obviously the Chargers have kind of what he wants. Justin Herbert, elite quarterback, the ability to get stars. I know they're the second fiddle, but still, um, they have the ability to be good. And I think Jim Harbaugh would be a great piece for the Chargers organization. Jake, same for you. I mean, I think um, Harbaugh loves Herbert. I think that partnership can really flip the script with this team. I agree. It's not very. It's not very often that you know you're bringing in a new head coach and you already have that elite quarterback piece, right? Yeah. I think the the appeal of Justin Herbert is really what's going to help draw. Jim Harbaugh, I think this gets done eventually, um, and I think that you know the draw of being in LA, being in SoFi. Brand new, you know, brand new facility opening up. There, there's a lot to love that the Chargers have that you may not necessarily find with a lot of other job openings. It's not necessarily a bad locker room to be walking into by any means. There's a lot of pieces there. They're not as far away from, you know, contention as a lot of these other openings are. So I think it makes a lot of sense and I, I expect them to get that done. You know, that, that was my one thought watching that Cowboys Packers game and seeing the uh, Packers take a 27 to zero lead. I'm like, I've seen this before with the Chargers and the Jags. <laughs> and it's like, Oh wait, this is not the, uh, Chargers I'm dealing with. These are the Packers. So they are obviously held on to that lead. But again, just to put it into context, this was a team that was a playoff team a year ago and they have the uh, talent to compete. And I think, um, again, with Harbaugh, how quickly he's able to turn things around. I really believe that the Chargers could be a Super Bowl contending team a year from now. And so we'll, we'll see. Again, uh, they, they, they have to go through the process. They're also talking to a GM candidates as well, but just a lot of moving. Again, we've never seen this many big name coaches in one offseason. Jim Harbaugh, uh, Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, perhaps as well. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying, stay safe and stay healthy. 
This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. What was a friend, now a ghost in the dark. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.